Hello, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your host, Sarah Cohan. I'm so excited to be back this week with you. Today's guest is, she's just had such an important influence in my life. She was my health coach while I was quitting a 20-year smoking habit. And things went so well that we just decided, I decided to roll in quitting alcohol and then eventually caffeine. So obviously a powerful woman. She is a well-being coach and she is launching a new space for coaches, especially health coaches called the Coaching Collaborative. I link all of her information below and she mentions that at the end of the show. And today we get into obviously talking about addiction and the correlation between addiction and our shadow and shame is phenomenal. I mean, just listening, I'm re-listening to this episode right now and it's, I'm just putting together all these pieces of shame perpetuating the unconscious reality that we all live and Lorene talks about the connection with shame and shooting all over ourselves and having some serious self-compassion for basically every single activity, habit, whatever it is in your life, which I just think is so unfortunately radical, but also fortunately radical. It's such a radical approach. And then, of course, we finished talking about intuition, which has been a huge part of her work and a huge just practice of my own. So it was cool to hear what her intuition manifests in her body. And of course, as always, every single week, I'm going to do my own little personal check-in. And yeah, this week has just been, it's been interesting. So I'm taking a phenyl tonic. It's a flower essence or an herbal tincture, really. And it's just been exposing a lot of trauma that I really held in my sacral area. And I'm talking old wounds. I'm talking wounds from high school, childhood, (laughs) college. They're all coming up, which is really fascinating because at first I was like, whoa, like, why am I thinking about a sexual experience that I just had in college? Like, that's a little strange. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm taking this tonic. <laughs> like, it's getting the flow going in all those areas. And it's releasing these memories, which I am now processing. And the fun part is getting to see the other side of those memories. Now that, like, I'm an adult and I, I know what trauma is, I'm like, oh, That lesson was teaching me boundaries or, you know, what it's like to be able to blame someone else for me not having boundaries. So yeah, it's been wild. (laughs) My sweet husband is just hanging in there and I'm very, very grateful for that. So yeah, that's what I've been doing this week. It seems perfectly timed with spring. I'm still struggling with this transition to spring and the new um, time change and It's just been a lot of like energy, fiery energy in the air, and I've been struggling to accept it, I think is the right word, um, and play with it. And so instead, I've just been like freaked out about it and scared of it, and now it's time for me to like 
honor it, get curious about it, and then eventually really play with it. So that's exciting. And I'm hoping that all of you are handling spring as best as you can because it's a real doozy. So yeah, so that is my check-in. I am always excited to tell you guys about um, some free tools that I have on my website for personal growth. I've got an amazing somatic feelings meditation. If you are trying to get deep down, sit with an emotion, or even just explore an emotion, this meditation is amazing. It's on my website. You can go to sarahcohan.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com. And on the menu, you'll see free tools and you can click that and go ahead and download the meditation. Um, And then I also have some really amazing screensavers for you. So there are um, seven different mantras. That's my new word for it. I love it. That you can put on your phone to just have with you throughout your day to remind you of certain things. One of them is based on human design. One of them is an Akashic Record download. And then another one is channeled by shadow, or several of them are channeled by shadow work coach Rachel Besser. So they're super, super handy. I've just been loving using them. And you can download them again on the website. That's sarahcohan.com, S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com. And I've got some exciting things rolling out. So um, today in this episode, we talk a lot about shame and shadow. And um, shame and shadow are two things that I've really been uncovering. And I just, I think I just have like no room for shame. Like shame can go take a seat because <laughs> I've been playing with you my whole life and I want to see what it's like to not play with you. <laughs> I know that you're a powerful tool, but you don't need to be in my life like all the time. You know what I mean? So I am putting together some coaching practices to work around money shadow. And this is, you know, it's got a lot, a lot of shame intertwined up in there. And then I'm going to have two other topics that I'm going to announce next week, which I'm really excited about. So if you're interested in learning more, you can sign up for my email list. And that's, again, on the website, sarahcohan.com, S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com. And you can hit on the menu bar, subscribe, and you can keep up to date with new podcast episodes, coaching announcements, and of course, free personal growth tools, which is my jam. I'm all about that. <laughs> All right, so without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. All right, well, welcome to the show, Lauren Clark. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you, Sarah. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my God, we're going to have a blast. So Lauren is a well-being coach. She was my health coach, and she helped me through so many different addictions, And we are going to talk today about addictions and well-being and and being an intuitive health coach, all of the good stuff. So I'm just so, so, so excited. Yay! Yeah. (laughs) Yes, and welcome. So I do want to say that I just want to get it off, you know, just be honest, that we recorded an episode before. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm glad we're laughing. And the audio was not great. So we're here re-recording, which is funny. I've never done that before. <laughs> so I'm like in my brain, I like uh, we had such a beautiful conversation before. 
And I want to recreate that. And I also want to honor that like this is a fresh conversation and we're I think that there's maybe a more divine reason why we're redoing this. So I want to make space for that as well. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I love that. I love that. Okay. So as I mentioned, I met you on my own journey of quitting a lot of different things. It started with cigarettes and jewel. Then we decided to we I decided to also add alcohol to that. You were just like pump cheering me along the whole way. And then finally I finally chose to also stop consuming caffeine, which was never on my list. And I'm so glad I did it. So I want to talk with you about addiction. I know that you work with a lot of people on specifically addiction. So I'm curious. Like, what are the first steps to addressing addictive behaviors? And I am happy to use my story as an example. <laughs> I just love, I just love how enthusiastic the happy was. Yeah, um, yes. <laughs> I'm like, anything to help someone going through the process that I went through. Like, it is, it's enduring, and and also there's so much on the other side. So, I, I mean, I'm just so excited to have just to like dive into this conversation with you for so many reasons. Sarah, like so many reasons. And I feel like, I feel like we have to also honor even a little bit more of the backstory before even recording this the first time. Because if you remember, between the time that we were working together and the time that we actually did that recording, there was also this other juncture where I reached out to you because my organization was looking to do a media article, right? And with, you know, a client perspective, a coach perspective, and to like really share, you know, the success story of, you know, quitting, smoking, quitting Jewel during COVID, right? So I reached out to you and I was kind of like, you know, this is sort of a moment, like a choice. And and I want to respect your privacy and respect the work we did. And you really had to think through like, how, you know, am I ready? to really share this. And so I just want to honor you because it's, I remember like hearing you, thinking this through with you and being so mindful of where you were at. And you, you made this huge decision to, to really be totally transparent and authentic and really share your story with everyone in your life. And here you are now, it's been a year since, since you, you know, this journey started for you. And now you're just so you're, you're open. You're sharing it with others, and, and I can only imagine how many people that it's inspiring. So I just want to really appreciate you for your courage to have yes. that decision and share your story. Thank you. Yeah, the different like the different points that we've had. It's so crazy because that com- the conversation about doing you know media story about it opened up just this whole other new world to me because I had never told my parents that I was a smoker, which is hilarious because like, let's be real, they probably knew. Smoking is a very hard habit to hide (laughs) for good reasons. Jewel, less hard to hide and I'm scared of that. (laughs) But through telling them, it has changed my relationship with them so much. I mean- coming clean and not needing their approval and just being able to accept their love for wherever they were at with me and that big truth that I was holding on to. It's just been so huge for our relationships. So it's like, there's just so many things on all these different cliff jumps that I've been through that were never expected. I never thought that they were going to be part of it. So so thank you for saying that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's important, it's important though, because you're 
that's actually a part of your story illuminates how transformative making these changes can be and how what's really behind and correlated, directly correlated to addiction or, you know, these other, like you're really illuminating how coming out, you know, and being really vulnerable and courageous and sharing um, and dispelling the secrecy and, and right, that that actually um, has made you stronger. Totally. And it's allowed like people to love me for who I am. Okay. So for listeners, if someone is at home right now, let's say with COVID, I've especially seen, I call it the creep, the drinking creep. Like I have a lot of friends that are like, oh, I used to just have a glass of wine at night and now it's turning into a bottle. I've heard this so much and I've not experiencing it myself, but it's real. <laughs> and I'm curious, like what, what do you, would you say is the first step to just addressing addictive behaviors? It's just, this is so fun to get to have this conversation and I want to kind of explain why. So I want to be really open. I'm not an addiction specialist. I'm not a psychotherapist who is specialized in treatment of addiction. Like that is not at all my background. And yet somehow my professional career has, you know, it's always sort of been woven in with the people that I work with and the people that I serve. And so what's really interesting is I have very little to no training around addiction. But what, I, what I've been able to do is learn from the people that I work with. And I've sort of seen this evolution of, of how we can support people. And it's really been, I'd say, kind of opened up for me around because I have been you know, working as a, as a coach for you know, about a decade now. We had this other kind of perspective of addiction and how we sort of treated people and we you know, scare them out of that behavior. And now it's like we're, we're seeing how that doesn't really work. <laughs> and and so it really aligns. Yep. Like it really it really aligns with the coaching work and the coaching profession as that has evolved. But I haven't ever really gotten to have a lot of conversation. Like I've just been doing this work along the way and learning along the way. And so I want to really preface that that like I'm going to just tell you what I've learned and what I've seen, and that it's coming from totally inexperiential working with thousands of people, some who have some addictions, some who don't, maybe some who aren't even talking about them, I don't know, but really just focusing on people's well-being. And what I've really seen is really what Brene Brown you know, talks about around the shame research and the vulnerability. So what I have seen and what I would say is like the most powerful thing is to really look at shame resilience theory. And what is talked about and what Brene Brown and her research has talked about is it's all about connecting to our authentic selves and it's all about connecting with others. And so when I get the opportunity for someone to talk to me and maybe have a conversation for the first time ever out loud about something that they're feeling like they're addicted to, I hold that in a way that I know that even just starting to talk about it is so powerful. Because it's, you're able to start to acknowledge it. And then you're actually able, if, if you're talking to the right person who knows how to hold that and knows how to really mirror and reflect and, and surround it with empathy, it's the antidote to shame. And I know that when we can put that on shame and when someone can start to talk about it, I know that that person is more likely to create the change that they want for them. Not the change that I think the change that they want for themselves and it's going to enable them to be able to connect to themselves more authentically 
And when we can connect with ourselves and have compassion for ourselves, then we can start to connect more fully with others and have compassion with others. And in, you know, in shame resilience theory, shame is, you know, fear, it's blame, it's, you know, all these things that, you know, and that's correlated with addiction, eating disorders, suicide ideation, like it, that's all correlated, right? So the, the opposite is connection, it's courage, it's compassion. So, so I don't know if that answers your question, but that's what in, in working as a coach and getting to really just partner with someone in that conversation, that space that I'm not an expert. I'm not, I'm not the expert on your life. I'm not even an expert on addiction. I'm actually really just here to sit with you, to enter in with you into the space that you are and hold that space and hold that conversation. And I trust and believe that that's a landing, like a, like almost like a landing pad to start that connection where they can connect it with their authentic self and potentially then connect with others. And then that's actually what's the, that's what's, that's, that's the step. That's, that's the most important step. That's, that's the step. Oh, I love that. And you are so good at just <laughs> holding space and listening and in such a non-judgmental accepting environment. It's, Phenomenal. I actually don't even know if I've ever told you this, but before I actually started working with you, so I found Lorene through a corporate healthcare company. And before I started working with you, I actually started working with a different coach. And I ended up admitting to her that I was smoking almost two pods a day at that point because I was so nervous about quitting. And my body was just going into fear mode. And it was like, we need more of this. What do you mean we're quitting? And so I was like literally smoking two pods a day. And her reaction was just like so judgmental all and like not accepting it all. She's like, well, you know, that's a lot. And I was like, no fucking shit. Like, I know it's a lot. Like, this is this is not why I'm coming to you. I'm like already afraid to admit it to you. That's how she that's how she responded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I already knew that I wanted to work with you and I, I already had a quit date in mind. So I kind of like knew that this was like a throwaway. I didn't take it too personally, but if if it had been my only option, I would have probably just kept smoking more jewel, <laughs> gone like maybe to three pots a day. <laughs> Who knows? When I had a, my first phone call with you, it was just like, okay, great. You're smoking two pots a day. Like, awesome. You know, what, how, how else can we talk about this? And it was just so like relieving. And I was like, wow, if I can accept myself for exactly the amount that I am intaking or smoking daily, then I can move past it. Like then I can address like, okay, what, how is this serving me? What do I need? Or like, what can I do to create new behaviors so that I'm not constantly thinking about this old addiction anymore? And it was just, it was so, yeah, so amazing. So highly recommend working with Lorraine. <laughs> wow. No, you never, you never told me that. And I so appreciate that you just shared that with me. I do remember, I remember the quality of our first session and I remember feeling that it felt like it felt like a fit for you. It felt like, you know, and I remember you saying, you know, because I saw that you had had another a, a first session with someone else. And I do remember you saying that it wasn't the same, but I did not, I did not know that particular piece, which actually kind of fires me up. I'm not going to lie, Sarah. Like it, it, it kind of... <laughs> kind of fires me up because the coaching profession has has is blowing up and it's a new it's a newer profession and 
just like any healing profession, our, our ethics are do no harm, right? And the ethics of a coach is to is is the basis to hold a non-judgmental, safe, compassionate space, you know. And so it 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 stirs in me that there that there are experiences that people are having with other people who are doing this work that are not that. That stirs in me a, a little bit of a of a frustration. I would say, yeah, again, if we're working on it, but not all coaches are creative equal at this moment in time. You know, so you want to find, you want to, you want to be mindful, just like with any, but you know, to, to make sure if it doesn't feel that is not what's going to help somebody create any kind of, I, I don't believe any kind of health change, addiction or not, that's not, that's not going to be helpful. Um, and that's not what the coaching work is it, is it all based upon. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm glad that we connected and I'm glad that we were able to, to not have that space. <laughs> Yeah, well, it speaks. It speaks so much, and I've I've said this so many times before, but it speaks so much to finding the right fit for a coach, like so much. And you know, who knows if like that's where my mindset was, and that's where I was. You know, that's that is the receptor that I was picking up of shame and judgment. I mean, there's so many things. There's so many variables in that situation. I think that like you, when it's a great fit, fuck, you know it. Like it's just immediate. Um, well, I was just I was just thinking. It's just really. It's so hard to even talk about, to say it out loud, particularly with cigarettes that are, it's, it's common knowledge that cigarettes, you know, are, it's, it, there's no, there's no discussion around whether cigarettes are good for us. Right. So, so it's hard, especially I'd say it in, in the state that we live in, there's, it's, it's definitely, there's been a lot of shift around, you know, reducing the amount of people who are you know, smoking on a regular basis. I just really honor anytime somebody has the courage to say out loud to me something that they may have not said out loud to anyone about something that they're, that's holding them back from being who they really are. So I, I feel very strongly that when you're already feeling really nervous and afraid and shameful about this thing that you're doing, you're bullshit meter is really like, like your, your radar is really high. If you get any inkling that somebody isn't, you're like, uh, you know, and if you get, and you're already like, even for you, you were thinking about it. And so even sometimes just thinking about making a change, like you said, sort of then that, that other, like, well, I'm going to do it more. And I'm, you know, like it just stirs up so much. And so it's so important to be able to have a space where you can connect with another person, but really with yourself, you know, and say it out loud and feel so held and feel so seen and feel like somebody's like, they, they're there, you know, and whatever decision you make or however this goes, they're there and they're going to partner with you in that journey. Um, even if you're not ready, even if you change your mind, even if you're like, yeah, no, no, I'm not ready yet, you know, but just to, to be there for you. So obviously I get very excited about this. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's so good to hear. <laughs> and it's true. Your bullshit meter is so high. I'm glad you said that because it really is like, it's not just that you're overly sensitive to it, but you're overly sensitive. Like you are attuned to it. Well, I'm just glad I found you. It's been an incredible journey. It's been a year, right? Did, didn't we just pass, didn't we just pass the year mark? Yes. 
It's been officially a year for cigarettes. Oh, wait. This is going to be released in April. Sorry. A month ago, two weeks ago, it will have been a, a year for drinking, which is amazing. Never, ever in a million years would have put that one on the list. Yeah. And see, for you, your tra- your journey was very transformative. And, and it was kind of like once you made one change, you wanted to just kind of keep going. Um, you know, I, I, I over the years, I've I've sort of started to see it like a smoke screen or like a veil of smoke, right? And so it's often when people, that veil lifts or that screen lifts when they're able to, it's like they can see so much more clearly these other areas, these other things that they're like, whoa, and uh, that I, you know, they want to make change around. I also have seen that when that veil lifts, that veil they never thought they could lift or that screen they never thought they could they could break through, there's this empowerment that, well, if I can do that, if I can do, you know, quit the thing that I thought was the hardest thing, the most addictive thing, you know, with cigarettes, I can do anything. And now I want to do it, right? And and so for you, you just kind of were like, yeah, you were just checking things off the list, you know, and, and you were going at your own, your own, your own, you know, you were just forging ahead and here you are a year later. Um, I mean, seriously, a transformative journey. It felt hard in the moment. Caffeine was the hardest, obviously. Obvious. I don't know why that's obvious. For me, it was the hardest. But looking back, I'm like, oh, psh, like, <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> Come on, what's next? Like, we can do it. It's amazing. Your your transformative journey when it comes to, like, the behavior changes that you've made to the, you know, this last year, definitely it is evidence to the fact that everybody has their own pace. Everybody has their own rhythm. And, and that really when somebody has the permission to do it in a way that works for them and at a pace that works for them, there isn't any one way. So much of, of the schools of thought around, you know, the work that I do as a coach, and there's a lot of caution, take small steps. We're focused on one thing at a time, you know, because sometimes we have this tendency to have really high expectations for ourselves. I'm going to do the thing and I'm, you know, and just to really go high. And then when we're not able to do it, then we feel like a failure. So then we don't do anything. Right. So we kind of go this like all or nothing perspective. So there's this definitely this, this place that people can land to give themselves permission to take it one step at a time, you know, set smaller steps. But what I found is there's also space and place for people who, if they're ready, then they're ready. Right. If they're just ready to create these changes and transformations at a at a faster pace, then that's where they're at. And so it's really just honoring where someone's at and what really feels right for them. Because who am I to say, hey Sarah, slow down. You know, you just quit so you just quit Jewel. Let's wait two months before you quit this you know alcohol. Okay, Sarah, hold on, hold on. Let's wait. You know, let's like make sure you're really solid. Like who am I to say that, right? And yet there is sort of a, there can be a tendency for that sort of framework. And so what I really appreciate about how, you know, behavior change has really intersected with addiction, has intersected with, you know, these different elements is that this is where we meet somebody and we just partner with them to help them figure out what's going to work for them. And if they stumble and if they, it's not, it's not that you're failing. It's that, okay, well, okay, let's, where, okay, so you fell down. What are we going to do now? Know, do you want to keep moving forward? Do you want to go back in the other direction? Like, like this is your journey and I'm just walking next to you in it. I'm walking alongside you in it. 
which is so far from where we were a decade, two decades, three decades ago, even. I, I really am so glad that I've gotten to see some of the evolution of that. But I also think that there's still some of that paradigm that's still there. Um, and, and people also got a taste of that paradigm. And so they're very cautious to reach out and they're very cautious to talk about it and ask for help because they've already got some of that taste of the old paradigm that is not that way. That is, you know what you should be doing. <laughs> Why aren't you doing it, right? Or let me show you, let me show you, now that you're pregnant, let me show you all the scary pictures of what happens to your baby if you continue doing these behaviors, right? Like those old paradigms, people have tasted that, which actually just perpetuates this epidemic of shame that we have that is really behind so much of this. So I am so excited and grateful to be part of this, this evolution and this shift for people to be able to, to support them, to connecting with their authentic self, their authentic voice, and, and amplify that. Let's, let's amplify that, you know? And then, yeah, if you are in a transformative place and you want to quit all these things within the next month, like you did... <laughs> For the next few months, let's do it. Go do it. Go do it. 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 I love that. Yes. I feel like there's so much literature. So I really didn't do much research on quitting smoking. I read Alan Carr's Easy Way to um, Quit Smoking and it worked. It was amazing. I am like a cold turkey person. That's what I've learned. And I've re- I didn't know. I mean, I've obviously internalized it because there's so many different apps out there that's like, okay, if you want to quit smoking, we're going to reduce the amount of cigarettes every day that you smoke and you're going to count them. And then eventually you're going to be down to zero. And I'm like, I could never do that. <laughs> like That sounds so great for other people. And I don't want to discount that. If that is your style, that is so great. That is just not my style at all cold turkey for me is the way to go. And I didn't realize that there was so much of that old paradigm thinking or like, or whatever you want to call it until I was quitting caffeine where it was the same, like I I was Googling it. That's how desperate I was. I was like really looking towards outsourced sources. Like how can I quit this habit? It is so pervasive. I usually would only drink like one or two cups of coffee in the morning, but all of a sudden when I was trying to quit caffeine, I was like, oh, well it's the afternoon and I'm tired. I'm going to treat my Self with caffeine. I'm like, who am I? Like, I don't even do that. <laughs> but I was well, in my quitting journey, I was starting to do that. So as I'm Googling all this stuff, it was just talking about this reduction. And I just thought, you know, I've quit smoking. I have quit drinking. And both those ways, the ways that I did both of those is cold turkey and also reading Alan Carr. So maybe, maybe I can do that too. And then apparently Alan Carr had a caffeine book. So it was like, it all worked out and quitting cold turkey worked for me. Not to say that's going to work for everyone, but I love hearing from someone that is coaching people through this, that like everyone quits in their own way. Like that is such a, unfortunately, a, a like a new way of thinking about it to me. It's new for so many people to suddenly be given permission to think about how it might work for them and, and to know that they've got someone on their team so that if they don't know what will work for them, they can try one thing, one approach. And then if it doesn't work, we can kind of distill well, what did work out of that approach. What didn't work? What can we learn from that? And how can we apply that to the next time, the next approach? It's really interesting how many people 
want me to tell them the best way. You know, they want the way, right? Tell me how to do this to be successful because that's the paradigm, the prescriptive paradigm that we have been, most of us have been a part of in when it comes to our health is here's the prescription, go home and take it, right? Here's, here's what you do, go home and do it. And instead of what do you know about yourself? What can we learn? You know, and if you don't know, how can we start to figure this out? And where are you at? How, I mean, is this something you want? Are you, how ready are you, right? To really just getting in there and, 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 and making it okay wherever you are. You know, and, and so, so many times two people come and they're trying to make themselves be ready because their doctor told them, their family's telling them, you know, there's, there's, they're just like, they're just, they're trying to be ready, <laughs> but they're not ready. And it's, it's really illuminating to be able to tell someone that it's okay if you're not ready. Often people will, people will say to me, well, I know that when I, when I, other things in the past, like when I made my mind up, I did it. Like when I decided to do that thing, I did it, you know? And that's often for so many people, but there's like a thing that at some point in their life, like when I decided, like when I really decide, I do it. I find a way, you know, a lot of people, there's a lot of grit and resiliency that they have in other areas. They just, there's just been such this stigma around some of these things, particularly, you know, smoking cigarettes, that, that smoke screen, that shame, they're, they don't, it's hard for them to connect, you know, because they're, it's, they're really trying to work through. So I, I really feel blessed and honored to, to have been able to learn this with people and with people's permission to be a partner and not to be an expert. And so as I'm kind of even saying this out loud, honestly, like that's why I'm almost like, I just really love getting to have this conversation because I haven't gotten to have a lot of these conversations in my profession because they just, they throw, they throw us into the trenches. You know, I've been thrown into the trenches over and over and over. And there isn't a lot of space for coaches to get together and, and you know, talk about and, and, and case study and best practice. And so it's really fun for me to get to say this out loud, but I actually, I actually am grateful that I've gotten to learn with people instead of from people and from the books. Like I've gotten to learn what really is going to help somebody create the changes that they ultimately want and how to really support them in a way that's really going to support that, help them do it. And maybe they're not going to do it today. Maybe they're not going to do it tomorrow. I don't know. But I know that, that the space that I hold can actually help cultivate a seed that might help them do it down the line. And so getting to share those, that I guess experiential learning from a heart space versus a head space with you know the skills that I have you know it as a coach I wouldn't trade it and I, I mean the tools the tools and skills that I have as a coach I trust and I know where they come from you know I know the origin of motivational interviewing is the founders you know came up with it in addiction treatment settings because they kept seeing over and over how what was happening wasn't working so we needed to find a new way to communicate with people and that's where motivational interview was birthed and you know now it's extremely evidence-based and extremely well researched and it's used in all kinds of settings from the police force to you know healthcare to addiction to you know it's used it's it's the a foundational approach in health and wellness coaching so I know that 
So I, I lean on these these skill sets and I lean on the, the evidence, but then I also have this other side that I don't know. I've just learned along the way and I've seen it to work and I've seen what doesn't work. <laughs> and so it's been fun to see that this actually really does, this really does work. And and then yeah, with with the work of Brene Brown, and the, I mean it, it just it validates it. It's like oh, that's what I've been doing. I love thinking about it this in a way of like it's okay to not quit your addiction and like knowing when you're ready because I think a lot of people and especially if you had told me that before I'd be like but it's so bad for you I should be so shameful of what I'm doing but really like my I don't think my soul was ready to be done who knows why I started smoking but like maybe my soul wanted that (laughs) like (laughs) maybe deep down that's like why maybe you know whatever that's why I did it for so long and that's okay but like the shame that society has around smoking, particularly in California, like is is so intense, and for good reasons. Like there's good re- there's reasons why that happened, and then there's also reasons why I was smoking, which kind of leads into my next question. In our last interview, <laughs> we talked about this, and it really stuck with me of how addictions serve us, and it's a little bit of a reframe. Looking at it from this angle, I have now realized that by smoking. I was taking myself out of party situations to have one-on-one conversations that usually had a deep connection. And that's like a huge need for me. And so that's one way that this addiction was serving me. Another is breath work. Like when you are actually smoking a cigarette, you are controlling your breath. And I feel like looking at it from that way rather than this horrible addiction that I'm so embarrassed that I've just like was stuck in for so long – to me, it makes me realize that like I was taking care of myself, maybe not in the healthiest way possible. So I'm curious, how is looking at addiction from that angle transformative? As you even started this question, the first thing that I heard you say was before you quit and before you really thought about it, you would say to yourself, but it's so bad, I know I should be quitting. Right in that it's bad, I should be. That already is danger, 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 right? Like, whoa, let's just like wipe that away. Like you said, well, how is it, how is it serving me? Because clearly there's something that you're, you're getting out of it. There's, there's some reason. And so getting to know and understand and taking away the bad and good, you know, let's just get away from the polarities. Like it's not bad or good. It is. It just is. And then the should. Oh, oh girl. Oh girl. If I could if I could free our inner minds and our inner thoughts um, away from the shoulds, if I could wave my magic wand and get people to stop shooting all over themselves, I would do it. <laughs> that is cap that is cap that's captivity. That is not freedom. That's coming from another voice. It's not coming from our authentic self our inner critic, it's like identifying, hold on a second. (laughs) I am choosing to smoke. I am smoking. Do I want to quit? Do I not want to quit? Do I want to choose not to smoke? Do we look like just where is the power in the choice or the power in, in the choice to continue, the choice to not continue, the choice to ask for some help and think about not continuing? Not that I should. I should go talk to my doctor about it. I should go talk to 
coach about it. I should go talk to the you know, therapist about it. Okay. <laughs> what if we pull that apart? What's really behind that? And, and I think when we can get, when we can start to get back in there within our own way that we talk to ourselves, it, it can really free up to a place of empowerment, a place of choice, a place to really be starting to decide what we want to take the reins or on in our own, in our own life. Versus what someone else is putting upon us to, to be doing in our life. I don't even know if that answered the question. <laughs> but the, I, I think that it, it, in a way it reflects the question you're asking. Because it's the, it's, the first is to, re, is to think about how we're talking to our own selves. And in any of that polarizing language, in any of those shitting, there's no self-compassion. We've really got to bring in that self-compassion before we can even have compassion with others. And the only way to connect with others is to be able to have self-compassion on our own selves and then be able to have compassion on others. Like that's a, it's like a central. And so to be able to start to have compassion on why do I do this? What do I get out of it? How does it serve me? Get to know it. There's, it's such a different reframe, but it's so, like you said, transformative. I don't even know if this is going to answer, but I think it's just, it, it has to happen. It has to happen for any sustainable change to happen for, for somebody when in any of these areas, it, it has to happen. We can create changes for a little while, but if we don't get into that, getting to know and getting to understand and getting to become aware and even accept, then it's likely we're going to end up going back to those habits and behaviors. And this, so now I'm, I'm experimenting with this with my, I'm so glad you said all of that first of all. <laughs> But I'm experimenting with this now with my um my body image and like my weight. My weight has been something that I've been struggling with my entire life. And a couple months ago, I was like, what if I just stopped struggling? Like, what if I just decided that this, how I look right now is how I chose to look and I should find a way to see the beauty in that instead of putting rules on it and weighing it and comparing it and thinking like, okay, well, I'm having a chocolate chip cookie right now, but tomorrow I'll have some lettuce. Like that has just been the like way that I've lived my entire life. And now I can just (laughs) accept and experiment instead of taking on someone else's diet and deciding that I'm going to do that and that's going to be the way that I'm going to fit into their box. And it is so transformative. It's not easy. <laughs> Definitely not easy, but it is so, so transformative. That's so exciting to hear, Sarah, that that's been going on for you. You're, you're finding a way to really take these invisible muscles that, you, that have come from these transformative changes that you've made, and you're, you're now applying them into just even the daily relationship food and relationship with your body and you're integrating them to really work in a way that aligns for you. So switching gears a little bit, you describe yourself as an intuitive coach and I'm curious, how does intuition come into play with your work? And it's so funny. I, I don't, I don't even know where I describe myself as that. So that's also interesting to me, but (laughs) (laughs) I'll go look back on the websites. I should think about, you know, what I have out there in the world. So funny. Side note, yesterday someone in a clubhouse described me as a spiritual seeker. And I'm like, where did you get that? And they're like, it's on your bio. I was like, I I wrote it? I said I'm a spiritual seeker? Like, okay, that's cool. But like, wow. (laughs) 
Yeah, like you're like, okay, yeah, it's the same. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah. So where intuition is 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 very important to the work that I do as as a coach. And intuition has been really important to me just personally as I've gone through my own transformative journeys and my own growth. What I noticed is that it wasn't something that was, it was kind of woo, you know, it was the woo back in the day. And so it was, you know, in academic settings or it was something that just didn't really talk about, you know, it's like, no, 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 that's the woo. Like that's not measurable. And, you know, over the last five, 10 years, and also just with the information, uh, you know, research that's coming out of like the HeartMath Institute and, you know, there's just been a lot of validity for, you know, what some might call the sixth sense, some might call, you know, this, you know the language of the heart or, you know, there's a, a whole different, right, like how we sort of name this quote unquote sixth sense, right, this ability to kind of listen to our heart, listen to our intuition and tap into that. So it's, it's helpful because now it's something we can talk a little bit more freely about. And in working as a coach, it's essential. I've been really blessed to fall into this work because it's something that is hard to describe and it's something that's, but you can cultivate it and you can actually learn how to reconnect with it and you can learn, you know, what is it? How does it inform you or guide you? And when it became really apparent for me, which is really interesting, is when I went from what some work where I was always working in person, I was doing groups in person, I was doing one-on-ones in person, you know, I was teaching classes in person. And then I went into where I was working completely telephonically and virtually. And I was very, very skeptical of how I'm going to do this work only over the phone. Right? It's like, no, there's no way that I can do this without seeing all of the nonverbals because so much of communication is nonverbals, right? So I had been, and I had been taught and trained how, you know, 80% of communication is nonverbals, right? And all this was like, it was just ingrained in me to be an effective communicator. You've got to be able to pick up on all the nonverbals. And, and so I'm, well, how am I going to do that? You know, how do I do that? And if I'm just on the phone, if I'm not able to actually even see anybody. And something started to happen where through only being able to hear someone, it's almost like I became extremely attuned through my auditory sense. And so I didn't have my other senses. It actually allowed me to then lean on this other sixth sense, this other intuition, this other felt sense. And I started to be able to pick up on these subtle cues like goosebumps, for example. Like I started to pick up on these these things that were actually information that would help me support the person that I was working with or help me connect with that person or help me really even become more empathic with that person. I think I was kind of afraid to talk about it at first because I was like, I don't know if this is actually, you know, professional or... But it wasn't normal yet. It wasn't, and I don't even know if it is yet normal. It's normal for it's normal for for my work. It's normal for my profession. It's normal for the people in my circle of, of coaches. It's, it's it is normal now, but I don't know that it's normal as a profession overall. But we know that the heart is actually you know communicating and picking up on information way quicker than our brains are. We know even with you know the work of like dialectical behavioral, behavioral therapy. 
they really help people to think about the emotional mind, the logical mind, and this intersect and above the wise mind, right? And so really trying to help to like know that there's this place that we can access the wiser self. Sometimes I even call it your own inner coach, you know, with a capital C coach. It feels and sounds different than the other voices. And it feel, and I say feel because there's a somatic quality. Um, and it's important to acknowledge that and that that's actually valid information for what, what it's telling you. I never, I always think about this story. I, I had a friend when I was living in Hawaii and he became blind as an adult. And we were, you know, living in the North Shore. It's very jungly, you know, people have very jungly properties. And I was out at, at, you know, he was a neighbor of my friend. I was at their house and I was watching. And he was out there, like, doing the landscaping for the property, you know, carving, carving the jungle plants and, you know, cutting everything very beautifully. And, and I just was, I, went, I was like looking and I was like, wait, isn't he blind? Like, hasn't he only been, he's, you know, only been blind for a few years? And, and my friend said, yeah, and he's actually one of the best. He's the best at keeping care of the yard. He's the best at working with the plants. And so I got a chance to talk to him and I, I commented, you know, wow, you're really amazing. Like you are able to just work with the plants and take care of them and trim them and, you know, nurture them in a way that it's as if you could see. And he said, I actually can see better because when I lost my sight, I actually gained this capacity to sense the, the energy, to sense the field. And plants have a very significant field. And so I actually am able to work with them and I can, I can feel and like see them in a different way. And I was, I, I remember back then, like, I thought this was kind of woo, you know, like I thought this was, you know, and he was, but you, when you, when you can't deny. You can't deny it, right? When you see it, and so I think of, I think of his name was Siddhartha, actually. So I, I always think of Siddhartha and and how he lost one sense and this other sense amplified. And so in in my journey, I was so resistant to letting go of the visual. I was like, no, this is not going to serve my work, and it actually helps amplify and cultivate and and grow this other sense that I didn't really trust and I didn't really believe or understand and and now it's yeah it's just one of one of my senses it's one of all of our senses that's you know there and available and what a beautiful story Siddhartha I love that his name is Siddhartha (laughs) it's so poetic such an amazing amazing Yeah, such an amazing soul. Um, yeah, and that was such that was such a long answer to that question. But thank you for asking because again, these are things I don't get a lot of a lot of space and time to talk about, and it's so fun to get to 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 share this work. Well, thank you for answering. I feel like it's so hard to define, and so for, to hear that powerful story, it's like a really for both of you, like. Working with you on the phone, it's like, yeah, duh. It just clears out all the other bullshit and you can really focus on the, you know, what is happening at hand. So it's really, really, really cool to hear. So thank you. And I am constantly trying to sharpen my own tuition. 
it's a daily practice. And so to hear you talk about it so clearly is super, super helpful. I, I mean, it's a day, it's a, I, think, I think it's lifelong, it's lifelong work. It's not, it's not something most of us were really taught and it wasn't really part of the colloquial culture and language that we, that we grew up in, but you can feel it. And so when, you know, even working, working telephonically with folks, if I was the person and the client and I was getting a coach over the phone within minutes, I would be able to feel if this was going to be a fit, you know, because, because it's, it's, it's been thousands and thousands and thousands of people that I've worked with and it's just become this very finely attuned sense. It takes a lot of empathy, which is a lot of energy and it's a lot to give for a lot of people. I feel like I've gotten a lot better at it in my professional work, but you know, in my personal, personal life, it's still definitely like, because I haven't had as much practice. You know, when you get to coach over and over all day long, you get a lot of practice. You get a lot of opportunity to really play with it. But what I what I what I really enjoy doing is again, it's not about me as the coach. It's really about the client. And so, what I really love, I really love when someone's someone is like wanting to find their inner coach. You know, wanting to find what that feels like and what that voice sounds like and how that can guide them. Because ultimately. That's my secret mission. My secret mission is to just help people connect with their authentic voice. Because if they can know how to do that, they will, if they can learn how to do that, and if they can, if they can have tools that will help them do that, like what you're saying, like something, then even if we, you, I, they, even if we get away from it, then now we've got a toolbox that can help us get back to it, right? I mean, that's the, to, to me the center of, of being able to create positive change for yourself and the planet. So that's my secret mission. I love that. I'm here for it. Amazing. Oh my gosh. Laureen, thank you so, so, so much for being here today. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share with everyone before we get into how we can connect with you? No, I just, this is just, this is so great to get to connect and kind of come full circle, you know, after a year ago, getting to connect and work together and just witness your journey and transformation. And then here you are. Um, and then just hear that it continues on. This isn't, this is a continuum, you know, this isn't a, a start and finish. This is, and that you're just continuing for it. So um, I just really appreciate you for offering this space, sharing your story um, and holding a, a, you know, kind of a torch for others to potentially be inspired or moved or, or even just to have a seed planted for what they possibly can do for their own life, their own journey. You were such an important person on my path. So it feels very full circle to have you back. And I'm saying back because we finally did it. (laughs) (laughs) We recorded it. I better not be jinxing it. So thank you. And I'd love to hear about your new coaching platform. And if you're, if someone's interested in following along with you or connecting with you, let us know how they can do that. Awesome. Oh, good. I'm so glad to get to share this. Uh, It's really, because it's really up for me. And you probably could kind of tell, because that's been, it's very much on my my mind right now that my own experience of, of sort of being out in the wild wild west um, in this work and in this field and thrown into the trenches over and over and you know just sort of you know sink or swim sort of like here we go and 
and experiencing, you know, true burnout, true empathy fatigue, like experiencing that having no ramification, no support, no nothing, just kind of, hey, keep going, keep going, keep coaching people, keep, keep doing the work, has really brought over the last year, year and a half, some very specific intentionality into, you know, as this profession is evolving, as it's growing, and then the pandemic, it's just really blowing up what's happening with coaching, with accessibility, mental and emotional health, you know, needs. There's just a lot happening. So myself and a couple of 11 colleagues who also have been in the coaching work for also each of them a decade have just launched a platform called the Coach Collaborative. And it's unfolding and it's coming from a place of passion, a place of fun, a place of seeing the gaps, seeing the needs of the past, current, and potential future for the growth of this work, the growth of the profession, and just wanting to really find, create a place to connect, for coaches to connect, cultivate a very, you know, to be very inclusive um, for seekers of, of thinkers or dreamers of coaching or people who have been doing, you know, this work for a long time. So it's, it's unfolding. The website's up, you know, LinkedIn's up, Instagram, like we've just started to get things there's we have a slack channel so people are starting to join but it's going to be podcasts will be coming out shortly and so hopefully by the time hopefully by the time this podcast comes out we will we'll have the podcast starting to roll out so 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 kind of interestingly enough Sarah somehow we've come full circle and now here I am sort of going down something sort of similar um with a, with a yeah <laughs> yeah so very excited about it and it's been Finding, finding a tribe in this work, how valuable it's been to make me a better coach and make me a better Lorraine and make me a better mom and make me a better everything. And so just wanting to just keep spilling that over for the future of, of the work and the future of, of the profession and the future of the clients that this work will serve. So the Coaching Collaborative um, on Instagram, um, you know, also my website, you know, which is my name, LorraineClarkBacayo.com. So those are two places that you can find me and connect to this work or just want to connect at all. Amazing. And I'll link all of that below. I'm so excited. I feel like coaches are lucky to have this and to have any influence from you in their lives would just be amazing. So that's really, really cool. Yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge job. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. No, thank you for having me. Um, this has just been absolutely amazing. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for today's show. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed. If you have a moment and you're in the Apple podcast app, please rate and review the show. I could really use all the ratings I can get. And share this episode with a friend that may benefit from it. You never know. And of course, hit subscribe to keep up with new weekly episodes. Until next week, visit sarahcohan.com, that's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com to find other podcast episodes. And you can find Lit AF on Instagram at it's me, Sarah Cohan, and you can also find me on Clubhouse. Thank you again for listening. Please stay lit, lit AF, and I hope to see you back here next week. <laughs>